Hello, and welcome to episode 28, our latest episode of 30 for Net Zero 30. I'm Anna Marie Slot, Global Sustainability and ESG Partner here at Ashurst, and we're speaking with 30 changemakers around the globe about actions to take now to deliver on 2030 goals. Today, we are very pleased to be joined by Njarka Boji, the founder and CEO of Cowrie Energy. Cowrie Energy is a Berlin-based sustainability-driven energy provider to independent energy suppliers in sub-Saharan Africa. Prior to Cowrie Energy, Njarka worked at Rolls-Royce for 15 years. Njarka, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, it's great to have you here. Can you tell us a little bit about your own background, how you came to found Cowrie Energy and, and, and what you do? Hi, good afternoon, Anna-Marie, and thank you very much for the introduction and the opportunity to be here. Yeah, how I came to do Cowrie, as you said, I've spent um, quite a while at a fantastic company, the Rolls-Royce Group, with different uh, businesses working in different uh, functions, um, internally, externally, facing supply chain, facing customers. And clearly that experience was amazing and also enabled me to grow, learn a lot and uh, discover a lot of um, area in business and particularly Rolls-Royce being an engineering, cutting-edge engineering company uh, with a focus on energy and, and power. I've learned a lot about those aspects. And obviously, you know, from my name, you can tell, you know, Nyakabochi, I was born and, uh, in, in Africa, in the west coast of Africa, and grew up in France. Um, you have a relation with, you know, where you come from and your roots and as you, you, you grow up and go back and forwards to rediscover, if I can put it that way, your country, you notice that something is a bit odd in the region where your parents come from as compared to where you actually live. And as you go more deeper in that discovery, you realize basically the main difference is baseline infrastructure and energy being one of the core fundamental infrastructure, mm. then you ask yourself, okay, what can I do? You know, how can I better use my skill sets? How can I use my experience and knowledge to certainly contribute to make an impact uh, for where I originated from, but also in general, giving the global challenge facing um, the world in terms of climate change, how can I contribute? So that basically, you know, the, the the root of Kauri energy. Mm, mm, fascinating. And and you and I, we we met a little while ago um, in the in the wintertime. But you know, obviously, this the climate change and 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 what's happening in the world has affected um, you know what you're looking to achieve with what you do every day. Mm-hmm. Do you think? Have you seen a shift? Do you think there's a shift there uh, in terms of how people um, look at uh, sustainability and, and energy transition in particular? Oh yes, most definitely, and 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 I think that's a it's a global shift. So not only obviously in Africa, uh, where people have been. Uh, battling with the impact of climate change for a while. You know, Africa is the continent that contributes the least to climate change, but is the number one continent that feels the impact directly um, uh, of the Mm. consequences of that climate change. But um, I'm quite pleased to see actually that in the last, you know, few years, there has been some significant development um, 
particularly all around the world and um, most certainly in the westernized country i think there is an unprecedented increase in awareness about climate change and the urgent need for sustainability i guess then until now people thought that is not me, it's not about me, it's, you know, it's, I know it's happening, but it's, it's far away, you know, it's not touching me. But I guess now the awareness has reached a critical mass across many countries with a growing number of individuals who not only understand the gravity of the situation, but also have internalized the fact that there is no viable alternative to living, working, producing, and also relaxing in a more sustainable manner. Mm. So the, I guess the alarming surge in climate-related disasters, such as floods, fires, you name it, over the past few years has further accelerated this transition. Yeah, 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 no, definitely. And I think I think it's, it's interesting. It, 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 I, I kind of get the sense it sort of ebbs and flows. Everyone understands the awareness and, and the awareness grows and I understand the importance and then everyone gets a little bit tired kind of eases off a little bit and then and then has to kind of build up that momentum again. And I, I don't know if you see that as well, um, sitting where you are in Germany. Obviously, you know, en- energy security is a huge issue uh, in Europe and has been since since the invasion of the Ukraine. Um, yeah. are, are you seeing that impact your conversations? Yeah, and, and I think what I'm pleased and what I'm witnessing to see is that there is a notable shift in um, individual behavior. So people are first of all, taking personal responsibility and adopting more sustainable practices, you know, at any level. So I guess certainly in Europe, um, the, the the war just in our doorstep between Ukraine and uh, then Russia has uh, opened people's eyes, has a direct impact. You know, I live in, in Germany where 80% of the houses are um, heated with gas. We saw the prices go up. Obviously, the the government took some action to kind of manage that a little bit for the the normal uh, the normal taxpayer. But at the end of the day, everyone have felt the rise of energy prices just because of the action, um, as I said, in our doorstep. So that has made people more aware in general. And that awareness, I think, has also, particularly here in Germany, we have seen a lot of actions for all levels of society where um, people are having more significant demand placed in the government, in businesses and in industries to accelerate the transition uh, towards a more sustainable world. So I think this collective voice is putting immense pressure on various um, uh, various sectors to, to, to take decisive action. And I think that's a really positive thing. And, mm. and that will help us really go into, into the right direction. Mm. And before we get into to kind of your thoughts on who needs to do what, I think the mm-hmm. other thing that's really fascinating about what you do is that interconnection between Europe, living in and being in Europe, but also that connectivity with, you know, the countries in Africa. And as you say, Africa, you know, is at the, the front end of climate impact, particularly yeah. around, um, you know, now the need to to try to cool themselves um in, in an ever-increasing heat environment um but how do you see that on your day-to-day are you are you what are you hearing from those different areas because i think one of the things is we we hear a lot from various parts of the world about sustainability and energy transition but i don't think we hear enough from you know people who are on the ground in places like the countries in africa 
And, and that's an interesting point you're raising there, particularly when you say, you know, I, I don't think we hear enough. I, I would rather say I don't think uh, the global media is um, uh, presenting things as they should be presented. So there is a lot of activity going on and there are a lot of voices. Um, um, people raising their voices, actually, they have been forever, as as, as long as I can remember since our I become more aware, I would say, aware of the continent, you know, since I'm a teenager going back and forth and holiday and et cetera. People have been actively um, working towards, you know, climate action in Africa just because they were they were really facing the impact directly, you know, erosion, you know, many cities have disappeared in the coast of Senegal, the country I came from, not only Senegal, but all the coastline, uh, deforestation, et cetera, et cetera. So people have been really quite active in the front, but obviously it's a media representation and you know how the media world is today, not necessarily addressing heavy topic and these are quite important and deep topic. Um, that why for us as Kauri, when we created Kauri, it was rooted in, in really the fundamental belief that if we are to succeed in fighting climate change, the only way to doing that is to be collaborative and to make sure that as we go into that journey, we do not leave anyone behind. So that's why we have created a unique business model, which is centered around collaborations. And we actively partners with local energy providers to accelerate the growth of their operations. So that's that's quite important. If you look at the infrastructure in, in Africa, obviously there is a grid network, but this grid network only serves less than 50% of the population. So per default, most of the people which are not connected or the businesses will rely on small scale energy projects which are quite difficult to finance. Um, or, albeit there are a lot of money available for financing um, energy access, specifically in Africa, because um, you know investment doesn't go necessarily towards smaller projects. So we serve as an aggregator platform by mm. consolidating those small scale energy projects into portfolio. And that helps obviously the local energy provider to uh, deliver faster to a larger customer base and to a most, um, uh, in a most cost-effective way, if I can put it that way. For Kauri, we really believe that collaboration is the way forward to solving the problem that we are facing. So that while we um, partner with local energy providers um, to accelerate the growth of their, their operation, really. So obviously, um, they most of them deal with small energy projects because of the nature of the infrastructure in Africa. Most of the people are not connected to the grid. They will not be connected to the grid. Therefore, that's where decentralized energy systems will come in place for communities and also for small and medium-sized businesses. So we do act as an aggregator platform by consolidating those small-scale energy systems into project portfolios and this approach really allows those energy providers to reach a larger customer base rapidly and in a cost-effective manner. And in, in, in the same way, it presents investors with more significant and secure investment opportunities, uh, mitigating risk and also ensuring long-term term return. So we really do believe that fostering a collaborative ecosystem you know, will drive a positive and impactful change in, in the energy landscape in the region. No, interesting. So, and, and, and you've identified, you know, those are a lot of the gating items and the difficulties, right, that, that you have in a decentralized system 
because for a lot of people, obviously the transaction cost is the same, whether it's big or small. And so if it's small, that kind of puts off people who are trying to finance it. It, it, it kind of increases transaction friction. That's why your platform is so amazing. So what do you think is the real, you know, what, what action needs to happen now? So you're talking about the, you know, the great work you're doing with your platform, but, but what do you think is a specific action that needs to happen in order for people to really deliver on, that, on the 2030 expectations? Thank you. That's actually a fantastic question. I believe we don't need any more action. Actually, what we need, to my point of view, is consistency and just fulfilling the commitment which has been made previously. So regrettably, since COP21, nearly seven years ago, uh, progress has been disappointingly minimal. So, and I think, in fact, actually, uh, the situation has worsened because the the last um, GIEC report has indicated that we are now at a 66%. I think 60 more than 60% risk of breaching the 1.5 um, degree target by 2027. So clearly, you know, the root cause of that is that um, as a global community, um, we haven't delivered in the promises that that was made in the name of um, all of us and also to the planet. So if I just can name some of them, for example, in talking specifically towards Africa and in general developing countries, the pledge of the $100 billion a year for adaptation remains largely unseen leaving these nations struggling to cope with the challenges posed by the climate change. Um, also, um, despite all the assurances from the global north, investment in new oil and gas projects has continued since 2015, in fact, with several new ventures launched across Europe, Canada, and the US, for example. And just more recently, I think it was just like a few weeks ago, prominent leaders such as President Macron of France have backtracked on environmental regulation in pursuit of economic growth, so completely contradicting the agreement reached by the European Union. Now, when I see that, mm. I wouldn't think about, oh, we need to find new action. We actually need to just do what we said we would do <laughs> and consistently at the end yeah. of the day that will already, we would have seen already some, some improvement if we just has been uh, quite committed um, uh, to delivering our in 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 the show in the things that we said we would do. Yeah, yeah. Keep it at the forefront and just do what you said you do. I think you know it's not rocket science. In terms of yourself, I, I mean, you were talking about this this um, this what you're seeing kind of around you in in Germany. Are do, do you have your own commitment? Are you are you looking at your own um, habits and patterns um, in terms of net zero? Oh, yeah. I mean, you can't dissociate yourself and you believe in what you do for a job and life. I think you need to, again, is go back to the to the previous question is about integrity and credibility. So if I look up myself, I've, uh, I've changed a lot, I would say, in my journey. <laughs> and I think certainly being involved in the, the, the entrepreneurial journey and curry has, has played a big place in that. So, for example, I'm eating far less meat than I used to eat, maybe once or twice a week. Um, everyone who knows me or my friends, you know, that I, I'm, a, I'm a car lover. I'm a, I like driving. I've spent the first seven years of my life in the automotive industry. I'm absolutely a mechanic and car fan, fan. And then obviously an aerospace fan, a flying fan. And I, I, I want to put it out there. I will always fly, right? 
but you know, I don't have a car anymore. Um, I, as I said to my colleagues, I'm now a true German in a true Berlin girl because now I'm biking. You know, I'm biking all over the place. I'm taking uh, public transport, and that's it. I even go shopping with my bike. So it's a, it's a I wouldn't say it's a new me, it's a natural evolution because it just makes sense and it's just so convenient when, when you're used to doing all those things. It's just become natural in your life. So that, that's really important. And it's also keeping you fitter and more healthy. Yeah, it's those knock-on effects of doing, you know, doing things um, the way that your grandparents did, right? When they moved around and carried things. Exactly. Didn't have to go to the gym. You know, I, I, I go to the gym and I kind of laugh at myself for replicating hard labor that I've tried so hard my whole life not to have to do um, <laughs> by studying hard and getting a job. Right. So it's, it's quite a, <laughs> then I laugh true. that I, that I spend money to go replicate that somewhere. You know, my grandfather farmer would have said, just <laughs> come by my place. I'll take care of your, uh, your exercise needs. And it's funny enough you say that because we in, in Westernized country, we went that path. And if I look at in Africa where we work in other emerging emerging nations, they are still moving far more than we do, not not necessarily having cars and walking more. And then you can see that in terms of health, they are more they are less inclined to some of the type of new, let me say, 21st century disease that we have, like diabetes, you know, um, autoimmune mm-hmm. disease and you name them. So it's quite interesting to say, hey, there is a healthy lifestyle that if we stick to it, it's better for us. Yeah. And part of that big picture, right? It is that it, it's it's sustainability there in its widest sense. Like how do you how do you integrate all the different parts of what you're doing so that you create both a resilient ecosystem, but you also a, a resilient and sustainable way for yourself. If you could provide listeners one takeaway, one one thing that you you know that you you'd like them to to do um, again, you know, I think people, uh, prefer to be in action on, yeah. on things rather than feeling like they can contribute. What, what would it be? I, I truly believe that each of us can, um, have some power to act, you know, and make a contribution no matter how big or small. So I want people to continue being curious and being demanding and particularly to challenge the status quo. We've seen that, um, when people raise their voice, things change and consumer behavior, for example, has a tremendous uh, power. And most recently, uh, more and more, we're seeing that actually governments are, I would say, governing by emotion, if I can put it that way. So a lot of new policies are more or less driven uh, by uh, the people's uh, reaction to certain actions or certain events in a positive and sometimes as well in a negative way. But that has a, a good, a strong power to change things. And, and and I think we need to continue do that. We need to be a bit more um, activist and then um, challenge the status quo because that's how we move things forward. We've given some few examples of what we could do in our own level, in our daily life. So uh, there is, I think in the UK, a, a supermarket chain that say every little help. And I do agree with that. Some people think that, oh, well, it doesn't matter if I eat, eat less meat because the industry is still outputting so much CO2. But the industry is changing. You know, you have ESG now, which has had a big resurgence. And uh, businesses have finally understood that there won't be any futures without uh, strongly embedding ESG and moving to sustainability. So that change is coming. We need to continue pushing for it as consumer as, and as citizen. 
Excellent points. Excellent points. Thank you, Njaka, for 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 sharing, you know, sharing your insights, sharing the, the different viewpoints. Really appreciate your time today. Thank you very much. It was a great pleasure. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you found it worthwhile. To learn more about the issues we've just covered, please visit ashurst.com forward slash podcasts. This 30 for Net Zero 30 episode is just one small part of our continuing podcast series, ESG Matters at Ashurst. Make sure you don't miss any of our future episodes by subscribing via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. While you're there, you can also listen to our other episodes and leave a rating or review. In the meantime, thanks again for listening and goodbye for now.